Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're a female professional or entrepreneur who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, certified life and weight coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to episode number 13, making it easier to lose weight. Today I'm talking to you about how to make it easier to lose weight And for a change, I'm not talking about your brain, nor your mindset, nor your emotions. Today is all about the science. And I love the science. I actually have a degree in animal biology. And yes, we humans, we're animals too. So today, when I refer to making it easier for you to lose weight, I'm talking about making it easier for your body to burn fat off your body. I'm talking about how to help your body utilize your body fat as a source of fuel and energy more efficiently. And the phrase that we use to describe this is being fat adapted. So what does it mean to be fat adapted? Being fat adapted means that your body is efficient at using your own body fat as a source of fuel and energy. So when we're overweight, we have excess fat on our body. And what I want you to do is to start thinking about that excess fat on your body as a source of fuel and as a source of energy. Think of it as a food source that you have in addition to what's in your cupboards and in your fridge and in your freezer at home. Today is all about getting your body to be good at using that fat on your body as this source of fuel and energy so that you need to take less from your cupboards, from your fridge, from your freezer. Okay, so when you're fat adapted, your body is good at metabolizing and burning off or using your own body fat as a source of energy. And so the reason you want to be fat adapted is because if you want to lose weight, the only way to get that fat off your body is by using it as fuel and energy. The only way is if you physically use it and burn it off. Unless, of course, you get liposuction or surgery or something like that. So the only way in which our body can get energy is to use glucose from our blood right away or to take glucose stored as glycogen from our liver or thirdly, to break down the fat stored on our body and turn that into glucose. It's easier for our body to use glucose in the blood because it takes more effort for our body to break it down from the glycogen in the liver or from the fat on our body. So when glucose is constantly available, our body will use that first, then it will go to the liver, then it will go to our body fat. Our body will always do what's easiest. So what controls all of this in our body? Well, it's insulin. So insulin is a hormone and insulin has the role of regulating how the body uses and stores glucose and fat. So when we eat foods that are broken down into their constituent components, a lot, of, a lot of those, one of those components is glucose. And glucose is absorbed by the blood and insulin is the hormone whose job it is to move that glucose from the blood 
to be used by the body as energy. So some is taken straight to the cells and used straight away. Some is stored in the liver as glycogen, and then the rest is stored as fat. So insulin's job is to take glucose from the food and store it on the body. And notice that the glucose is turned into fat. It's not just fat that you eat that's stored as fat. So glucose that you eat, the carbohydrates that you eat are able to be stored as fat on your body when you have an excess of them. So we can think of insulin as the fat storing hormone. And because insulin is the fat storing hormone, our body can't access that fat and use it when insulin is circulating in our blood. Okay, so let me say that again. When you have insulin in your blood, your body cannot access the fat on your body to use it as a source of fuel and energy. So what impacts the amount of insulin that you have in your blood? Well, it's both what you eat, it's how much you eat, and it's how frequently you eat. If you eat cereal for breakfast and have a biscuit with your morning coffee and a sandwich for lunch, and then a pumpkin latte from Starbucks in the afternoon, and then maybe pasta with a chicken sauce for dinner, and then maybe even some chocolates and a glass of wine whilst you watch television in the evening, you're always going to have an amount of insulin in your blood. And that is likely going to be too high to allow your body to access your own body fat as a source of fuel and energy. You're blocking your body from using its own inbuilt food store. So when that happens, your body sends hunger signals to the brain stating that you need to eat and because you're not accessing your own fat and energy source, you eat because you're feeling hungry. You eat something else because it's the easiest solution for your body to have you bring in more food than it is to access your body fat because it can't because you've already got insulin in your blood. So the amount of insulin in your blood is dependent on what you eat. So fat produces the least amount of insulin, then protein and then digestible carbohydrates especially those carbohydrates that don't require a lot of process in your body to break them down. Carbohydrates like sugar, which is pretty much pure glucose, and refined carbohydrates, carbohydrates that are already partially broken down due to a manufacturing process. When you eat those foods, your body can break them down to glucose very quickly and a spike of insulin is then required to sort of deal with them, to move them from the, to your cells, then to your liver, and then to lay down um, fat on your body. And this is a problem because our body was designed to use food to fuel our body in such a way that we use some right away and then store the rest as fat. And then when we need more, we access that fat on our body and use that and then only when we haven't got any more left we go out and get more food by hunting or foraging for it. If you think about in the days when we were cavemen whether we were foraging or tracking down animals or eating fish whatever we were doing we were only eating infrequently we weren't snacking we were eating big meals we were using some of what we were eating as energy right away and then storing the rest for later. And then when we needed it later in the day, we could access those fat reserves on our own body. And then after that, we would go hunting again, maybe the next day. OK, so we have this cycle where we were continually laying down fat, accessing it and then going out to get more food. But what we're doing today is different, or at least for most of us who are overweight anyway. 
what we're doing is we're eating, we are ending up storing fat on our body. And then what we do when we need food, we're not able to access that fat because we have too much insulin in our blood. And so we go out and we eat more again. And then we store more fat on our body. And then, of course, this is how we get bigger and bigger and we gain more and more weight. OK, and there's a couple of reasons that we're doing this. One is because we're eating foods that are high in sugar and refined carbohydrates so that we when we eat those foods, we can't access that stored fat on our body because insulin is our blood and it's blocking us from doing that. And our body's got bad at accessing our own body fat because it's learned to instead send hunger signals to our brain. So that becomes our default way of operating. Our body has got used to operating in such a way that it's only using the glucose and glycogen for energy and fuel rather than tapping into our own body fat. So how did this happen? How did we get to a point where our body was really efficient at the working the way it was designed by laying down fat and then using it to this point where we're at today, where we're just not doing that? Why, where so many of us are overweight and obese, it's more normal to be overweight than it is to not be overweight. And this comes back to the motivational triad. If you remember, there's a part of our brain that is motivated to seek pleasure, avoid pain and save energy. OK, so this motivational triad worked well when we were living in caves and it works well for animals living in the wild who are motivated to go out and hunt and find the food that they need. And when we were in the cave, we needed these motivations to risk going out to seek and hunt for food because of the dangers that were presented to us at the time. But now in the modern world in which we live, that motivation is working against us because food is so readily available. And not only is it readily available because it's normally readily available at every sort of corner shop and supermarkets that we can get to in our car, but also the food industry knows exactly what gives us the pleasure it knows that the sugars and the refined fats and the refined carbohydrates, those concentrated forms of food, cause more dopamine to be released in our brain and give us more pleasure and they taste really good. And so we want to eat more and more of them. So we're motivated to go and eat those foods over and over. And also the convenience of it, as well as the saving energy part, where you know you can instantly grab a bag of crisps or a packet of biscuits we don't need to put much effort into going out to getting that food. It's become very easy to do that. So it's an easier solution for our body than to access our own body fat as a source of fuel and energy. So um, the other part of it is that we are also eating to avoid the emotional discomfort, the emotion, avoiding pain part of the motivational triad. Um, we eat to avoid emotional discomfort, whether that's boredom, stress or loneliness. We eat to feel better. OK, so if you just think about it on a basic level, apples versus apple juice, for example, the apple gives your body a slow release of sugar, a slow release of glucose, which is a small dopamine hit that triggers your brain to believe that food is good for you and you should eat some more. But then when we take that apple and we concentrate it and we can get literally like 25 apples into one drink in one big glass of apple juice, Instead of getting the subtle dopamine hit, you get this huge surge of pleasure, this huge surge of dopamine. And that tells your brain that this apple juice must be incredibly important to you. So your brain thinks that you should have more of it. You should drink more of it. 
Um, and the other problem with getting these huge surges of dopamine is that the dopamine receptors become less effective. So we actually then need to have more dopamine in order to receive the same amount of pleasure. Okay. And a similar thing happens if you consider comparing wheat versus flour. The flour is partially broken down by the manufacturing process already. So there's less work to be done by your body to break that flour down to glucose than there would be if you're breaking wheat down to glucose. And so it reacts very quickly and your body needs to release a surge of the hormone insulin to deal with it. Okay. So when you're not fat adapted, it means your body is accessing sugar in the form of glucose or glycogen rather than the, your body fat. Um, and you might hear a term the being a sugar burner. That's what we call um, your body if you are regularly um, eating more to access your energy rather than using your own body fat, the term we refer to as being a sugar burner. So instead of going to access that fat, your body will send hunger signals to your brain so to eat more sugar, more carbohydrates, more food. Therefore, some of you may be familiar with sort of like um, having sugar cravings, or you may notice that if you've been eating lots of refined sugar foods like biscuits and then you try and stop, it's really quite difficult. Something else that happens when you're a sugar burner is that you might notice you feel hangry, which is like an angry hungry, where you really just need to eat something. You feel like you have to eat right now or you will um, be very, very uncomfortable. OK, you might say that you're tired. You might even think that your blood sugar is dipping and you just feel this incredible urge that you have to eat something right away quite quickly. That doesn't happen when you're fat adapted. Um, OK, so. Another way that you might know if you're a sugar burner and not fat adapted is if you're hungry within a couple of hours of eating a meal, especially if you've had something like cereal for breakfast. Something that's quite carbohydrate dense um, tends to result in you feeling hungry a couple of hours after you've eaten, especially if you've not had some fat or protein with that meal. Um, I used to find that in the evenings after I had my dinner, I would be very, very tired. I wouldn't have the energy to get more work done. I would just sort of, if I had a meal with quite a large amount of carbohydrate, um, I would just find myself being very, very tired in the evening. Okay. So you want to be fat adapted when you want to lose weight because it makes things so much easier. To become fat adapted, you want to eliminate sugar and refined carbohydrates and replace them with more vegetables um, or grains or healthy fats. Um, you want to have a normal amount of protein, you can have whole fruit. Once you've achieved that, once you're fat adapted, you'll no longer feel hungry between meals. You'll lose weight more quickly and efficiently. And you also may find that you don't need to snack. You can go from meal to meal um, without feeling hungry. So you, you don't need to snack on other foods in between meals. OK, so the way in which I recommend that you become fat adapted is that you decide whether you want to cut out sugar and refined carbohydrates entirely or cut back on them slowly. If you give up sugar and refined carbohydrates, you're going to get some withdrawal symptoms if you've been eating a lot of them. And by the way, when I say give up sugar and refined carbohydrates, I'm not saying that you're saying you're never going to have them again. I'm talking about them not featuring, featuring regularly in the day to day meals that you eat and that you are more aware and intentional about when you choose to eat those foods. 
Okay, so if you've been eating a lot of them, as I said, you may have some withdrawal symptoms, but those withdrawal symptoms will pass. You'll start to feel better and you'll start to reap the benefits of being fat adapted much more quickly than if you decide to slowly cut them out. But that doesn't mean that you should take that, you shouldn't take that approach. I recommend you consider how much sugar and refined carbohydrates you may have been having regularly in your diet when you're considering whether you want to cut back slowly or cut them out in one go. If they featured heavily in your diet, you may want to make the changes more slowly because you've got sort of like a, a bigger change to make there. Um, the question that some people have is what constitutes a refined carbohydrate and what about other carbohydrates like potatoes and rice? So um, potatoes in their natural form, I wouldn't consider a refined carbohydrate. You may get sort of French fries that are very much um, sort of starchy foods that would be a refined carbohydrate. And with rice, some rices are more refined than other rices. So if you eat wholemeal rice, the insulin response to that will be less than if you're eating a very white refined rice. Okay, so plan, um, plan what you're going to have, do what feels healthy and loving and not too restrictive and depriving and see how you get on. And remember, what people often don't think about is that vegetables are predominantly carbohydrates. So this isn't about having a low carbohydrate diet. This is about cutting out those refined carbohydrates you're still getting plenty of carbohydrate in the form of vegetables um, or from the fresh whole foods, even eating whole grains. So this isn't a very low carb or keto way of eating. This isn't about cutting out all those foods and not having any carbohydrate. It's about eating carbohydrates in a balanced way that enables your body to regul regulate insulin. And if you've been eating lots of foods containing sugar and refined carbohydrates, giving them up or considerably cutting back might feel difficult. So be prepared for that. Be prepared to have food cravings, expect to have maybe some hangry feelings where maybe you find you're a little bit more irritable or agitated than normal and just have some compassion with yourself as you're going through the process of doing that. Um, figure out what else you can put in place in your life to comfort you whilst you're going through this sugar withdrawal. It could feel tough for a few days um, sometimes a little bit over a week. Uh, drink lots of water, take good care of yourself. Keep a journal as well of how you're feeling. That's something else that's really useful. Notice how you go from in feeling incredibly uncomfortable and hungry to starting to feel better. It's so good to have an awareness of that so you can see what's happening for you. Um, it's also really useful for you to track how long it takes for you to start to feel better. Um, for myself, I sometimes find when I go on holiday, for example, I may be eating more sugars and refined carbohydrates than I would normally. But I know that um, once I've cut them out for three days, then I feel just the same. I get all the benefits back pretty quickly from being completely fat adapted again. Okay. Um, you'll also want to have awareness of your hunger and your emotions as well, so that when you do become fat adapted, you'll notice how you don't feel hungry. You don't have the sugar cravings but you will notice that you will still want to eat for emotional reasons, um, assuming this is something that you haven't already addressed. You're still likely going to want to figure out why you want to eat when you're anxious or bored or you want comfort. Those are still going to be there. But what it means is that you can deal with them. You can figure out what's going on for you much more easily because those feelings aren't being complicated by physical cravings for sugar. 
you're not also having to deal with wanting to eat because you're overly hungry because your body is so good at accessing your own fat stores. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to chat to you about is um, how do you know if you're fat adapted? Well, it will be easy for you to go hours without eating. You will be able to go from one meal to another without wanting to have a snack and you're going to feel great. You'll have much more energy throughout the day. And, um, and, and that's it really. Okay, once you're fat adapted, you will love that you don't have the sugar and carb cravings and you'll have tons of energy. One more thing, if you're someone who suffers from morning aches and pains, you may notice them subside or go away. Um, refined carbohydrates create inflammation in the body. And when you cut out or significantly cut back those foods, you may just get rid of your inflammation too. Before cutting out sugars and refined carbohydrates, I would notice that my ankles felt a little sore and creaky in the morning when I first got out of bed and walked downstairs. Um, but when I am not eating sugars and refined carbohydrates, I no longer have those aches and pains, which is just great. Okay, so that's what I have for you today. As you will know, if you've listened to my earlier episodes, I'm all about you figuring out the right way for you to eat for you. But you being formed is an important part of that. So as you think more about the right way for you to eat for you, please do pay close attention to how refined sugars and carbohydrates feature in your diet right now and how you may want them to feature in your diet in the future. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great day. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to be your coach. There are two ways that you can work with me. You can join my monthly membership program, My One Life Academy, that gives you self-paced learning, supported by twice-weekly live calls and a whole lot more. Or you can join the waiting list for my next six-month Lose Weight, Live Life group coaching mastermind intensive. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching to find out all the details.